scripture reading for today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 26 to 38. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sends the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Susanna, you're doing such a terrific, terrific job with the kids. Thank you. Thank you for that. And uh, thank you for uh, preparing the sermon for today. Let me pray for you. Father, we give you thanks for uh, uh, all the gifts that uh, you have given Susanna to bless this, uh, this church with. We pray that you will open our hearts. You will um, uh, give us... Uh, the appropriate response to your word and that you will uh, um, help Susanna deliver what she has prepared um, with clarity and the passion that she's, um, she has before. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks. It's wonderful um, to be with you this morning. And um, it's really a pleasure to reflect on Mary's life and how God encounters us in the ordinary. And our story, just like Mary's, begins first with the action of God and his intention to meet us in the everyday. This is how it happens for Mary, and this is how it happens for us too. Amidst our regular routines, where we're writing emails or maybe cooking dinner, we hear God whisper his promises to us. Maybe in a scripture verse that comes to mind, or the verse of a song, something we heard at church. But hearing God's promises changes us. And perhaps this is how it happened for Mary. She was hanging up the clothes, maybe, doing her laundry, and the angel Gabriel appears to her. And it's in the middle of something mundane and necessary as the laundry. And with the clothes flapping in the breeze, he arrives, maybe a bit out of breath, like a messenger who's gone on a long journey. 
And she's shocked. She's just trying to nonchalantly cover up the underwear, maybe, in the basket. And he sees that she's taken aback. So he takes a deep breath, and he says to her, Mary, I have good news for you. All is well, better than well. The king is coming, the promised one, who will rule on the throne of David. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. And you, Mary, are going to be his mother. Just like that, through the spoken word, God weaves his promises into the ordinary tasks of daily life. God's promises are big. And if we are going to receive them, it requires faith. Mary asks, how? And she isn't just asking in disbelief. Her question is practical. How is this thing going to happen? What does she need to do? And the angel Gabriel says, God will accomplish this work through the Holy Spirit, because with God, all things are possible. This promise is given by God, and it will be accomplished by God. In fact, God's action in our ordinary life is so impossible that we could not do his work without him. The impossible promise that Mary received long ago extends to all of us today. The promised king is here. Gabriel says in verse 32, you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the son of the most high and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. Or in other words, God is establishing his kingdom of his son Jesus here in our midst. To understand the significance of this promise, for an Israelite like Mary, it is helpful to go back to Psalm 132, a psalm that describes the promises given to King David and his descendants. In verse 13 and 14, God says that he has chosen to be with his people. God dwells among us, which became tangible in the birth of his son, Jesus, and continues to be with us through his Holy Spirit. I experienced this. I saw his physical presence in a way that was so meaningful when I was traveling with the youth to Costa Rica, and I saw how God's hand of protection took care of us in big and little ways, keeping all of the youth healthy and safe during that time. The promises of David continue in verse 15, saying to bless you with provisions and to satisfy the poor with food. God blesses us with resources and all that we have so that they can go further and do more than we can imagine as we satisfy those that are in need in our midst. This is a promise we hold onto so tightly in this time as we dream about what God will do with the resource of our building how he will bless the community and the city in the future. And finally, in verse 16, the promise is to clothe the priest with salvation and give her people joy. We hold on to the promise that the ministry of our church would offer life to our community and fill our city with joy, that God would be at work in all we do, giving life in abundance. This promise of the kingship of Christ is God's intention for us, for our community, and for the city. This is a big promise. Yes, for you and me, this promise is actually too big. But we have a big God, a God that gives his salvation 
plan to ordinary people, birthed, received, and cared for into maturity by people just like you and I. So how does Mary receive an impossible promise? God enables Mary to receive the promise through being and serving, or in other words, through faith and obedience. Last week, Felipe talked about God's large promise to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. God promised Abraham he would bless him, and then through him he would bless all of the nations. Abraham is the father of faith because he believed this promise. He obeyed God, he left his city, and he lived as a nomad. Now Mary models the same faith in response to God's promise. In verse 38, she says, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. Mary's response is twofold. First, there is the, I am the servant of the Lord, and then there is, let it be. And I'm going to start with the let it be. Mary says, let it be. To let the promise be accomplished in and through her shows tremendous faith. Belief is far from easy when the promise is impossible and the process forward is unclear. Nevertheless, Mary trusts and she shares the most valuable thing that she has, her virgin womb. She offers her resources and her identity to God. For a woman in the New Testament times, the most honored thing she could do was to give her husband children. Children were an inheritance to them both and would protect and provide for her when she was old. Marriage and family were one of the few ways Mary could establish her place in society. This act of faith requires that she jeopardizes that and defies the cultural expectations. To be pregnant and unmarried makes it unlikely that someone will marry her and puts her at risk of being shunned by society or maybe even killed. Not the ideal circumstances to nurture the future king. Nevertheless, Mary trusts God and puts herself in an extremely vulnerable position. She models faith. The life of faith provides constant opportunities to rely on God. None of us is wise enough to know God's way without him. The day God stops surprising us and we are no longer taking risks to follow him is the day that we need to receive his impossible promises anew. There are different moments in my life when um, I have received these promises and urgings from God and had to step out in faith. One of those was when I was in college and I felt the longing to do overseas ministry. And the second one was about 15 years later um, when I felt kind of a prompting to do pastoral ministry. And this was actually the most unlikely of the two. Um, and it's funny, it was just during normal time, I was taking a shower even, and just praying to God about the week. And in the midst of that, I felt God saying, I have plans for you further down the road in pastoral ministry. And it really caught me off guard because I didn't want to be a pastor and I didn't like leading and I didn't like being in front. And there was just, it didn't fit. It didn't fit with the work I, ministry I was doing in Latin America. And I, I just kind of said, okay, Lord, this is from you. I'll, okay. <laughs> um, and I just kind of, I held on to that. And then I said, well, you know, if this is from you, a church will recognize these gifts and, and ask me to serve in this way. And I left it as that. 
And actually, four years went by, and it wasn't until something else happened that I kind of wakened again, and I told David about it. He was equally as surprised. <laughs> and, and then it took more years even until I started working in this way. And even now, as I've just started, it doesn't always feel like a good fit. Um, lots of things are uncomfortable. But there's wonderful, when I'm you know, telling the stories with the kids, down here with you, with the scriptures, praying together, encouraging people to go deeper with God, that's when it feels like the right fit. And we receive these promises in the everyday, unexpected. And we agree with Mary, let it be. We trust God who proclaims the promises. Stepping out in faith is not a one and done way of living. We will observe this in Mary's life throughout this series, and we will continue to reaffirm our faith and her faith. It happened repeatedly in the life of Abraham as well. Once he leaves his home, things don't get easier. Again and again, his faith is tested through his journey. Finally, in Genesis 22, he's offering up his son Isaac. I have a friend and mentor who reminds me in times of challenge, if you are faithful in one task, get ready. God is going to entrust you with something far bigger and more difficult. Through practicing trust, we grow into the people that God has called us to be. Faith is essential for Mary's personal growth, and it is essential for ours. Now let's return to the first part of Mary's statement, I am the Lord's servant. Mary responds to God's promise by choosing to become a servant, demonstrating her profound trust in God. She submits to God, not out of fear or coercion, but because she knows God is good. And she believes he can accomplish what he says. Mary's commitment to God is so strong that she enacts her faith by becoming a servant. For Mary, faith and obedience are inseparable. Her obedience is practical, and she will live it out daily as Jesus' mother. In each new season, there will be a new challenge, and she will dig deeper into God's promises and choose faith and obedience over reason and autonomy. Like Mary, to be entrusted with big promises means we also must mature by being people who serve. Being and serving, trusting and obeying are the foundations of which a life of discipleship is built. Last month, I had the great joy to go with the youth at First Baptist to Costa Rica. And so many wonderful things happened on this trip. And you could see that their love of scripture was deepened. They were learning how to work on a team. But really, what honestly shocked me and moved me the most was the way the youth cared for one another. It was so beautiful to see them serve each other. And they just threw themselves into their work in the orphanage, painting and cleaning. They combed the beach for trash, which was totally disgusting. <laughs> and they did it with passion. But it was so beautiful because you saw them doing this among themselves, where the girls woke up early to make breakfast for the team, and the guys were jumping ahead to clean the dishes before it was even asked. And it was starting with the older youth, like Anna Marie and Jonas, who are here playing for us. And it trickled all the way down to the youngest. For me, it was such an evidence of God's kingdom and presence among us to see how they cared for one another and how they served each other. Living by faith through service enlarges us. 
and it brings joy and blesses everyone around us. This call to maturity and blessing through service is seen in the choices we make. The opportunity to be blessed and to bless others is not forced on us. To participate in God's promise and extend them to others is something we choose to do, and we do it when we trust and obey. Mary chose to be a servant, and that isn't an easy choice. Sometimes serving others comes naturally, and we do it with joy. But many times it is hard and difficult, and it happens late at night and early in the morning. And we get caught up sometimes that we don't want to be a servant, or maybe we're, you know, done with that. This is the tension I sometimes feel in my own life, and it's about a struggle to be humble and to continue to care for one another. And as I was thinking about Mary's choice to serve this past week, one of Jesus' last teachings came to mind. And it's right after, it's in the book of Luke, in Luke 22, right after they have the Lord's Supper, and Jesus has broken the bread, and he served the wine, and they're all sitting at the table, and Jesus said, says to them, the one who's going to betray me is also here. And the disciples, they all start talking amongst themselves, who's it going to be? Who's going to betray Jesus? Who could possibly betray him? And then the conversation turns, and now they're talking about who is the greatest among them? Who's going to be the best? And that's when Jesus says, that's how it is in the world. The presidents, the CEOs, they all push their power around. But that is not how it's going to be among you. Who is the greater, he says? The person eating at the table or the one who is serving? Wouldn't you all rather be eating at the table? but I am among you as one who serves. And he says to them, you have been with me in my trials and you will be at this table with me in my father, father's table and in my kingdom. But you also are called to serve. As I thought about Mary's decision to serve, in light of this teaching, I realized she understood this mystery of God's kingdom. She chose to serve and trust God, and as a result, she experienced the incredible joy of an intimate relationship with Jesus. God made her great through being a servant, and he does the same thing with all of us as we choose to serve him and his kingdom. So how can we serve? I have the joy of serving in the children's ministries with volunteers every week, and it's a wonderful team. How can we all be involved in what God is doing in our community and in our city? What does it look like for us to offer our resources to our neighborhoods by planting trees or cleaning up a neighborhood park? What can we do practically to bring joy to others? There are, these are some big questions, and I hope that you will continue to think about them during the week and that God will, will nudge you and prompt you to see things. But for now, as we end, let us hear anew God's big promise that was given to King David. First of all, God is with us. When we look back, we see he is there. When we look up ahead, we see that God is there too. 
His reassuring presence is all around us. God provides for us and he blesses our resources. The tithes we bring, our time, our talents, our service, all we have, he uses to bless us and meet the needs of those around us. He welcomes the stranger that passes through our doors and he feeds the hungry that walk on the streets. By his Holy Spirit, we participate in these ministries that give life and joy to the community and the city. So let us receive these promises today in faith. May God stir in your hearts and minds as we step out together in this life of discipleship. We are the Lord's servants. Let it be. You've been listening to the First Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. For more sermons and information about our church's services and programs, please visit firstbc.org.